Welcome to the Interop Now podcast, where it's all about health data interoperability and the technology solutions that will transform your business. We bring you the information you need to find the right solutions to exceed federal requirements, improve patient satisfaction, and increase your bottom line. We will talk to leading industry experts about using APIs to unleash, repurpose, and scale healthcare data. And now your host, interoperability maven, Sandy Vance. Today on the Interop Now podcast, we are here with Raj Gordavardi. He is with MCG Health. MCG Health is part of the Hearst Health Network and an associate member of the HL7 Da Vinci Project. They are an industry leader in evidence-based guidance and prior authorization automation solutions. Their independent review of clinical evidence gives healthcare companies confidence in their patient-centered care. And we are so happy to have Raj here with us today. Raj, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. So we're going to talk today about what MCG Health does how they have been such an integral part of the standards community and really driving the Da Vinci implementation guides forward for the payer community within HL7. And then a little bit more about how that Da Vinci community supports prior authorization. So first, let me give you an opportunity, Raj, to talk about how you came to MCG and what MCG's mission has been these last couple of years. I came to MCG back in 2003 as a software developer and then started my journey into the healthcare space. There is so much in the healthcare that we can use technology, processes. We can use especially MCG's evidence-based guidance to provide right care for the patient. Since I joined MCG in 2003, I have been part of a number of solutions MCG developed to provide right care for the right patient at the right time using the evidence so that we can have a better improved outcomes. And our, our solutions serve both the payer community and the provider community. Over the last five years, MCG has paid a lot of attention to reducing the burden in the healthcare, both on the payer and the provider side, by using interoperability, by using technology. What kinds of systems do you connect? With MCG? We connect with, on the provider side, electronic medical records like Epic, Cerner's, all scripts, anything, all the way to on the payer side, medical management systems like, you know, Trizetra Care Advance, Altruista, Epic Tapestry, and in between everything else. I think a lot of healthcare leaders would be surprised to hear that they need a system in addition to or on top of their electronic medical record system. Why is that? What is MCG's unique value proposition is their independent review of clinical evidence. We have subject matter experts in the clinician space, doctors, nurses. What they do is they look at what's happening in the clinical trials and studies and that's released by a number of organizations. And what is the best guidance that they are providing to treat a patient? And we compile that information in a format that a clinician can use either in the provider setting next to the bed or in the payer setting when they're making the clinical decisions. So we provide this guidance using technology. We have this unique opportunity to bring them together and say, when you are using certain 
prior authorization processes, anyway you are using our guidance to make the decisions, why not use our interoperability technology on top of our guidance to reduce this burden on both ends? Mm-hmm. So to that extent, we joined the HL7 Devonship project. We looked at the interoperability standards offered for the bidirectional data exchange between provider and payer to reduce that burden. So you sort of started out as clinical guidance, right? Exactly. Like providing algorithms to yes. bolt onto electronic health record to meet providers at the bedside and help, you know, make those best clinical decisions, correct? Exactly. And now you've added on this interoperability piece where you're helping, are you actually moving the data between systems? Absolutely. That's that's uh, the right way to put it. So we have taken a step forward in addition to providing this clinical guidance to both providers and payers. We said we allow an interoperable pipeline when provider placing an order. For example, if provider is saying, I need an EMRI for this patient, and that you call that as an order in EMR, we provide technology to take that order and then share this with the payer and say, if this provider is asking for an EMRI, does this require prior auth? Because we are on the both sides of the systems. We could take this data from the EMR, give it to the payer, ask these questions using interoperability and technology, and get back with answers to the providers. Awesome. So you all are helping support these new requirements for prior authorization. Let's talk about why that's so important. So there is a new rule that has been put out for comment by CMS, and though it is not fully implemented yet, can you talk a little bit about what CMS is going to be requiring of provider organizations Absolutely. when it comes to prior auth? They came up with this new acronym, prior auth, which is this time for PA, and they came up with three letters, R for requirement, D for documentation, another D for decision. So they call PARDD API, which means prior auth, Requirement, documentation, decision, technology. They're going to impose that on the impacted payers, you know, within the realm of their, you know, authority to say that anytime a provider is asking for a particular order, whether it is could be a diagnosis or a procedure, if that service request require authorization, then payers are supposed to share the documentation requirements payers are supposed to open up this pipe where they can in real time communicate with providers about the documentation, about the decision, about the denial reasons. All this information, instead of facts and portal, it is going through this interoperability technology pipeline. So MCG has been developing this solution. In fact, MCG is the the nation's first implemented solution for this particular CMS role in our Northwest region where a provider network in real time from the EMR could submit an order and then goes to the payer and get back with an answer. All this happens in real time. Through this process, we are reducing the burden on both ends, primarily on the provider side. We all know that from the AMA surveys, provider abrasion is all-time high. It is impacting the patient care. There are tons of adverse effects because of the delay in the prior decisions. So when we implemented with one of the provider network in Northwest region, our goal is provider would never leave their EMR. 
they're doing what they're supposed to do on day-to-day job, everything happens within that system. And then when we implement it with an impacted pain on the, on the Northwest side, their job is to provide interoperable technologies using the CMS proposed rule for requirements, for documentation, for decision. So they have developed these technologies with the help of MCG to respond to the providers in real time. Yeah, so that is a lot different than what things used to look like. You mentioned that it's sort of taking the place of faxes and portals. And so when we think about the use case for this in the past and even now, you've got provider organization saying, I need the MRI for the patient. And so they would then request that via a fax from the payer organization. So the payer has to then have someone physically reviewing that request and the documentation that goes along with it before they can approve it for the patient's insurance to pay it, correct? Yes. And even beyond that, if you take one step further, they submit through a fax and on the payer side, somebody reviews it. And then somebody has to take up the phone call and say, what happened to my auth? You know, is there any latest update? Are you approving it? Are you denying it? The phone call game. And typically it can take anywhere between one to 14 days as per the HIPAA compliant rule. So that means the patient is really waiting what's going to happen to my authorization request. The CMS rule is proposing that from the moment they submitted an authorization request by a provider, 24 hours after that, a patient should be able to access the status of the authorization. So if that is the new rule, how could you achieve that unless you have the technology in place to accept that that request coming from the provider into your payer systems and have some sort of technology to automate that process? The value of this resonates with everyone. We want to know, is that service paid for when we need it? In particular, in more acute care settings, it becomes a big factor in the patient outcomes. And so this is, it makes sense that they would be mandating this to the extent that it's technically possible. And it sounds like MCG has demonstrated already that it is, it is very possible to do. So let's move on a little bit, Raj, to the HL7 DaVinci project. And I know MCG has been a big supporter of this initiative. So can you just tell our audience what the HL7 DaVinci project is? Yeah. So the best quote I like about HL7 DaVinci project is they say that value-based care programs drive focus to patient outcomes. It is all about patient end of the day. So when HL7 DaVinci group started, you know, a group of private stakeholders, their goal is to develop interoperable blueprints. You know, that's the best term to use. The blueprints means that you can take this blueprint and implement in some place rather than a bunch of documentation. So they developed, you know, set of use cases. Either it is a data exchange between payer-to-payer, provider-to-provider, or payer-to-provider, or prior authorization, or cost transparency. They have, you know, probably 20, 30 use cases. And the goal is, to develop a blueprint to exchange the data between the systems, hence reduce the burden with the goal that the patient outcomes are improved. When the information is moved between the systems for different use cases, at the same consistent integration path, now that is what the blueprint says. When you implement with Epic, when you implement with Cerner and all scripts, you're all using the same technology standard. That is a blueprint HL7 Dimension provides for each use case. 
we are really excited when we heard that because we know unless you have a, a scalable integration path, this is not going to be successful in the industry. We joined in 2019, the HL7 Devonshire Group, and we quickly became very active because we, we saw the need because we are already in the space of payers and providers using our clinical guidance. And we saw the burden, we saw what we can do. So HL7 Devonshire Group helped MCG to develop a set of use cases, knowing our customer needs. And we also come, you know, participated in these Devonshire use cases to develop the guides, the implementation blueprints. Eventually, that's what we have used for our first implementation. Yeah, and those implementation guides that DaVinci and the stakeholders of DaVinci have developed have now become the basis for a lot of this regulation that's being considered by CMS. And they really are enabling across the industry the implementation of technologies that will enable providers and payers to respond to these new requirements, right? So, what is it like being such a forerunner in this? And as you just said, like you helped develop the implementation guides, but then the implementation guides helped you all get this technology to market. So can you talk a little bit about that process and what impact the implementation guides from DaVinci had on MCG's product? Yeah, great question. It's never an easy thing to do the first time, you know, with, with the implementation guides are just coming up. So we have such an executive sponsorship at MCG and the partners that we paid with both the payer and provider network, then the HL7 Devonshire community. So they said, as you are implementing it, we are behind you. We will help you. And we partner with even Epic. So it takes a village to develop something from taking out of a implementation guide and making it a real-time solution. So it was not an easy journey, for, of course. It took us at least 18 months to develop this solution with number of times we had to reset because the expectation of when we developed the DaVinci Guide and the blueprint, we made certain assumptions about how the information could be available within the EMR. It's not always the case. At the same time, we also made some assumptions that payers can do certain things with the systems they have in place. And the reality is a lot of payer systems are very legacy based. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have this modern technology to, to tell, you know, whether my, my auth status is pended or approved using a Fire API. So we have identified these gaps. And the best thing that happened was the group that partnered to implement the solution, they have taken up those challenges. You know, even it has dragged the timeline for, for maybe six months, seven months. They have implemented these pieces so that end of the day, we felt like what the implementation guide provided as a blueprint is a good starting point to implement. Now we are putting all that feedback back into the next implementation guide updates so that the next implementers would know what it takes to implement. How often are those implementation guides updated? As of now, we have a first version already published, but we believe sometime this year we are going to get a second version, which has probably all the things that we learned in our implementation and a lot more feedback from Epic and many other organizations. I believe the next version that being going to be published in this year is a lot more mature and stable. For payer and provider organizations that need to, to 
provide prior auth within 24 hours and maybe they're on a legacy system. Maybe they're still faxing. You know, there's a whole bunch of different ways that these processes can work. And when you go in and you say, but we want to do it with an API, where do you begin to get them ready for this? Great question. You know, after our first implementation, now we are working with a couple of other players implementing the whole thing again. So now we know you know what we have learned. If somebody is starting this journey, the key piece for implementing the solution is bringing the clinical leadership, technology leadership together. Typically, when you go to payers and providers, you have a lot of dominance from clinical because rightfully, they drive the organization. Technology is always a back-end support. When you look at the technology world, how things have changed with Amazon and Google, technology is the forefront to exchange the data right now. So when you start your journey, you have to say, you know, for me to implement prior auth use case, you know, some of the questions you need to answer using technology is this patient is your member, right? That's the very first question before you even look at the order. How do you implement that on the payer side? What technology solutions that you need to do. So for every question from the clinical from the clinical perspective, you need a technology partnership. So that is the mantra that we have seen worked. When you bring both of them together, both of them know each other's needs. Like this is what I need. And the technology side of the organization would say, this is what we have today. This is what it takes to develop what you're asking for. So do you find it difficult when you're talking to provider organizations? How do you help them understand that you know, yeah, you already have an EHR, you already have a portal, but it's not it's not processing claims in this way. It doesn't function like this. Yeah, uh, absolutely. On the provider side, you know, we have seen the change management is probably three times more than what we anticipated in the beginning. So even though they have very less work to do now, but the change is huge. They have existing processes that are working mm-hmm. from entry. So when we go to provide organization and say, starting tomorrow, you're going to submit an order. Everything happens from the back end. You don't see anything on the user interface. Trust the systems will work and get the response back. They're like, good luck with that. We don't believe. So when we started the journey, you know, you tell them what is the vision, the future, and show them it works. And it took, I will tell you, you know, six months for us to convince some providers that this would work just to get them on the table. Then the journey starts. What do they say after they've implemented and they realize the difference? What do you think the biggest value add is? You know, I'll tell you two organizations in Ohio who implemented our payer provider connectivity solution, even though that is not fully interoperable at the time. We have two solutions in the market, one with you know for inpatient, one for the outpatient. The people who implemented over 12 months now. The Cleveland Clinic and University Hospitals in Ohio, they never want to go back to facts. And here is the statistics they gave us. There was a day in University Hospital, say, utilization management department, that the facts queue was zero. That means they never had any more faxes. That was the last time they have seen fax mission hit zero, which means there is nothing to process. They don't even remember. It's probably years and years back because they have slowly transitioned to the electronic mode to transfer to the directly EMR. Things are happening in real time and they're getting auto approvals for about 10 to 12%. They're like, for them, That's they have beautiful. So yes. they're it. They, they don't want to go back. Now they're bringing the other departments or other use cases to, to start rolling under this program. Raj, did you have any issues when you guys were implementing this 
with the payers not being able to respond. Not able to respond in what sense? So when you're saying the fax queue went to zero, if the provide if you implement this technology for the provider organization and they're able to make the request, like the payer has to be able to respond. Are all the payers now to a point where they can respond without fax? No, I, not all the payers are there. I think the payers that we worked, they have picked up specific use cases. Like they have said, these are the top 10 procedures that we would start with. And then we will add on top of it. You know, so from the both inpatient and outpatient side, they're taking certain high volume use cases where they get the bang for the buck, right? They tell if I automate this stuff, I'll save this much money. I can do the organization, you know, because you're investing something into this future. You need additional resources and additional capacity. So the way that we have seen both organizations for implementing it, they have taken a phased approach in terms of what they wanted to accept and approve, and then they have expanded. So Cleveland Clinic started with one facility, and they have 11 of them. It took them six months to roll out to all the 11 facilities and to train everybody and, and to use it. Uh, so the same thing happening with the, the Northwest Provider Network that we are using. They started with the, the first three procedures. They wanted to submit and see how it works with the payer. And then they wanted to add on top of it in the coming months. Do you have a success story you want to talk about, Raj? Do you want to share a, a particular? I mean, I know you've kind of delved into these, the Ohio ones and the Northwest provider, but. Let me give you one, you know, critical stat, maybe a couple of them. With Cleveland Clinic, we have run so far about 18 months. And then we have automated all the transactions. That means that every time somebody submits an order, if there's a question, you take a phone and ask that question or you send a fax again. We have eliminated all that. So now the systems talk to each other. If payer has a question, they, they put in the system, it comes back to the provider and the submit. So by looking at all that, the provider network said they have saved about 11 to 14 minutes per authorization in terms of the review time. So that means that much of manpower hours that they have shared, saved, eventually used for something else. And then the other success story was care source or the payer on their side. They During the pandemic, they had senior short shortages. So they said, we are going to auto-approve a lot more things because we don't want to delay the patient care given the COVID. So since the technology is already in place, it for them, it is just a configuration. So they increased their auto-approvals to continue providers serving the patients during the COVID. And then they dialed it back when they have enough staff. Things enable them to shift to organizational needs depending on how things are going. So we have seen that both payer and providers, you know, benefiting that. On the provider side, when they have an auto approval, the 12% I said Cleveland Clinic received during the 18 month span, those 12% of the cases, they have spent zero minutes right after the submit. Which is what and what, what would that time have been before? It like would have been a, a 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the minimum. Yeah. So, and maybe multiple phone calls, phone multiple calls. transactions back and forth. Yeah, that's really impressive. What do you think next for prior authorization? So now that we're sort of get building this momentum, like I said, the CMS rules are really pushing this forward. But you know, once it's required and everyone sort of gets on board with this first step of pre-authorization, what do you think will be next? I think the next biggest challenge is bringing all the provider EMRs on board to support this workflow on the EMR side. 
Uh, so far, we have seen only Epic is you know fully into this. We haven't seen anybody else. That's not a good thing. So I think the next biggest thing is once CMS proposes this rule, then the ONC and the high tech committee takes over and see how they can enable some certification process so that through the 21st Cures Act and through the other means, the EMRs will support these things to make it available to initiate this request from, from the within the EMRs. Sure. So CMS can require, but then we've got to get to a, a point where ONC, the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT, has some sort of incentive program. And I know, Raj, I also, you're quite involved with HITAC, yes? I'm one of the HITAC committee members. Being in the committee, we get to see, you know, what does it take for us to tell the provider organizations and the EMR vendors to implement such a blueprint on their side. Like, and you have to make all these data elements available for the prior authorization to work. So we have already met last year in 2022, the ONC ITAC committee responded to the E-Auth RFI in a probably, you know, a 10 set recommendations that what, what EMR should do. We are going to look at this year, I believe. No, I, I don't see it is official yet, but I believe we will take a look at it and see how can we do something to create a program that incentivizes the providers to implement this. How can healthcare payers or providers that are interested in working with MCG get in touch with you? MCG Health, please follow us on LinkedIn. Please follow us on Twitter or mcg.com or contact us through any means. We are at uh, the upcoming Vive conference. We will be at HIMSS. We will be at uh, every HL7 Connectathon. So we are there in the industry because we wanted to really solve this problem. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Raj. Uh, we really appreciate this. And we will see you at the Vive event. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out Interop Now at Vive. Through interactive demonstration, we will take all the concepts and products from the podcast and help you see in real time how to apply them to meet your goals. Come learn how to take your business to the next level with the premier interoperability solutions in healthcare. Find more information at www.viveevent.com.